this is a special edition of World Intention for a few reasons. Number one, I am without my co-host Rob McGarvey, and the reason why is because I am currently on vacation. Um, we're, we're this is the first on-location podcast at Santa Rosa Beach in Florida. And the second reason why this is unique um, is that I'm actually recording here with my father-in-law, Robert Belding. Um, and so today, what we're going to talk about is the tension of aging. It's a heavy topic, but also an important one. So Robert, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Neil, thank you for having me here um, uh, in Santa Rosa Beach, by the way, which is very nice. Uh, and uh I'm uh, Neil's wife's father um, and um, somewhat of his tormentor, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I practiced orthopedic surgery for 52 years uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, um, mostly a little bit in a smaller town outside of Columbia. Um, I've spent a good bit of my life um, working in short-term missions, um, particularly in Pakistan and in Haiti, um, doing medical missions in those areas uh, where I really enjoyed that with my wife. Um, I'm an uh, evangelical Christian, uh, five-point Calvinist, absolute. <laughs> uh, and um, that's basically my, my life story. No, that's a good intro, um, and uh, I enjoy talking with Robert um, about different topics. We were sitting out by the uh, hot tub the other day, talking for a few hours. But so this, th let's be honest, this is a this is kind of a sobering topic, right? People, uh, they don't want to think about aging. They want to be young forever. In fact, people are doing crazy things now to try to stay young. Um, so paying a lot of money to do it. So why why do you think the listeners should? tune in and, and want to hear, hear, hear your thoughts here on, on aging. Unless you die young, you're going to age. And there are some uh, trials, uh, some temptations, and some obligations of aging that we all should be aware of. Um, some of the things we can do something about early on, and some of them we can't. Well, I look, I look forward to getting into it, so you ready to dive in? Absolutely. All right, let's go. Welcome to a World Intention podcast, a place where we examine the opposing pulls and struggles of life to uncover clarity, purpose, and practical solutions. Come join us as we seek to get comfortable facing the uncomfortable. This is a World Intention. This tension of aging has many layers to it. Um, there, there are many things I think to consider. I think that's actually what's going to be really interesting to hear your perspective um, a few years down the road from me, the thinking about things that I'm not thinking about. Um, so actually, why don't we start there? How, wh what is your age? Um, and tell us a little bit of kind of the context you grew up in and, and thinking about this topic. Well, I'm 77 now. Um, and fortunately, I'm in good health. Um, I do most of the things I want to do. I retired a good many years ago to do more full-time missions in Pakistan and Haiti and those kind of places. And throughout all of this time, um, you know, one of the things that I've thought is, well, when I retire, 
uh, I'll be able to get out of this rat race a little bit. I'll uh, be able to uh, slow down and do things that I want to do. I can enjoy life. I can retire, uh, do a little more sailing, a little bit more golf and that kind of stuff. Um, but the tension is, uh, as you age, you don't realize that uh, those types of things aren't as easy to do. When you get to be 77, there's certain things you just can't seem to do anymore, like clean up your yard within one day or uh, do some of the physical things like surfing and things that really take a little bit more out of you. What do you, what do you think was the biggest surprise, maybe, you know, at whatever age, 30, 40, people were telling you this, you know, all this stuff about aging, and you're probably not listening to all of it. But as you've kind of gone through the years, 50s, 60s, 70s, what do you think the biggest shocker was to you that you feel like you would, you wish you would have listened to? You, I mean, you, and I think you have kept yourself in good physical shape. And I think that's a definite plus. That's something you listen to. But what, what do you, what do you think was the big surprise? I think probably the biggest surprise to me is the loss of some of my friends. Uh, as as time goes by, you start losing a few early, but then you get to your late 60s, early 70s, and and people that you've uh, enjoyed being around and doing things with, uh, you lose them. And you don't realize that a lot of those people offer you strength and advice and encouragement that means a lot that you may not think means a lot until you, you don't have it anymore. And uh, that particularly applies to people like your parents. In my case, my brother was one of my biggest advocates and one of my biggest advisors. And when he died, it was just a, a terrible loss. But also just friends that I went to school with and have kept in touch with and do things with. L losing them has been a, a real shocker. I never really thought about that very much. What else do you think? surprises you about aging besides what you talked about with the, the emotional connection with friends? You start to see uh, things that came up in your life that uh, that you may not have even thought were sinful at the time, but you realize how sinful a, a person you are when you compare yourself to Christ and to his righteousness. And it really helps you to see that we don't, we don't really deserve anything from him uh, except his condemnation. Um, and that his grace um, is something wonderful. Um, and there are many songs that sing the glories of his grace. And, uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that it really is not us, but his grace that, that saves us. Well, it seems like the, that, that can take you down two ways, right? Like that you, you can be consumed by your sin and think how horrible it is and just become very almost like, pessimistic and negative or think about how God has been gracious to you as you were saying and, and realizing kind of the the weight of the sin and how much God has forgiven and, and how that can impact a different direction right I mean you, you were talking a little bit about kind of the choice you can make between between two pathways as you age uh, let me be clear as a Presbyterian <laughs> <laughs> if I say the word choice it's going to trigger him okay just for the listener to know <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know I, I think it, it's God's grace um, to um, offer you salvation and to regenerate your heart so that you hear the gospel message and respond to that um, but I, I do think that uh, 
reflecting on our sinfulness versus Christ's righteousness really offered me a certain amount of assurance of salvation. And um, early on in my Christian life, uh, assurance uh, eluded me somewhat, you know, and uh, I struggle with that. Um, but, but as I reflect on um, God's righteousness and his promises in Scripture, uh, can I really rely on his promises? And um, it's, it's being able to rely on his promises that offer me more assurance in my life of the salvation that awaits me um, at, the, at the very end. Um, as we age, as a, uh, there are certain temptations and trials that we all go through. I picked up a little book by Ashton Agden. He's written um, multiple books, uh, and this is just a little short uh, 60 to 70 page booklet that I've actually made a practice of giving to all my friends who retire because it really, um, I think it's a nail on the head about what our trials and temptations are as older people and what kinds of obligations we have as older people in terms of um, giving back, encouraging others, and serving as a witness for God in, in the final days of our life. On this podcast, we talk a lot about these these layers of tension, and the outermost layer is this external tension, meaning the tension you have with others. So, uh, what do you do? You think as you're aging, um, and we also talk about like markers or indicators that something is off. So, is there is there a, an external tension that you think you experience with others when when you start to age that can kind of send you on a a bad course, or, or is that not as much of a factor as kind of the, your own internal reflections? Well, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, as you get older and, and you can become angry about your physical limitations, and, and everybody's going to have physical limitations as they get older, some, some much more than others, but everybody has those, and that can make you angry and, and your ability to uh, relate to other people are reflected in that anger. Um, you can kind of uh, tell the person who uh, is in that situation just by the way they treat you uh, or by the way they withdraw from society. Um, your spouse, uh, you and your spouse both are aging and you both have difficulties. And so there's a certain amount of tension there about what you're going to do. Your expectations for your spouse have got to change and be in line with their aging process as well as you have to put up with your own self. I think most people tend to view their aging as an individualistic thing, right? I'm just going to get old and not thinking about what's going to happen to my spouse, my kids, or whatever other relationship that can drastically change what's going to happen, right? I mean, I mean, I think the relationship with their spouse and are they going to be at the same health level, the same mental level, the same emotional level? Um, I, I, that's that's probably a bit of a surprise too, right? It is. You know, we all want to die of a heart attack during our sleep. <laughs> I don't know if I want to die like that. <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't happen that way. Uh, not only do you gradually go downhill, but I, I've been very blessed with the health that I've had. Um, rarely have I had to go to the doctor for anything. 
But there are people who, um, even in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, start finding that they have medical conditions that require much of their time and prevent them from being able to do things that are enjoyable in life. Um, and so uh, being able to cope with all of those things that come along uh, is important. And uh, this book I mentioned, uh, Happy Old Age, it, it tries to prepare you for that uh, somewhat. Uh, and it tries to encourage you that even in all of our maladies and afflictions, we still have a choice. Uh, as an orthopedic surgeon, I've seen many people in the hospital with various types of conditions. Um, and some of those people are very angry about the situation that they're in. Uh, you hear them snap at the nurse. Anything that you uh, tell them does not seem to compute. They're unhappy with, with any of the treatment you try to offer them. And other people who are in much worse situations uh, have a demeanor and a uh, reflection of Christ frequently that really encourages everybody around them. Not, not just the staff, but even the other patients can see it when they go to physical therapy and they're sitting there with other patients who they're talking about heavenly types of things as opposed to complaining about everything that's wrong with them. And so uh, I think those kind of things uh, have a big impact on people. And um, one of the things I've learned in mission work is that you can talk to people all day long, but how you act and how you treat people tells them a whole lot more than what you try to preach to them. So um, becoming old and having infirmities and whatnot can be looked at as a blessing because people see you, they understand what your problem is, yet they see your friendly demeanor. And, and they'll frequently say, how is it that you can be so happy or seem to have such joy in your life when you've got this cancer or you've got this horrible fracture from this car wreck and it gives you a real opportunity to then witness to them about why you have the joy in your life that you have. yeah I, I definitely one encouragement to me is whenever I see an older couple that seem to still like each other and then have joy um, that is a huge encouragement to me because I have noticed how that's not um, the norm that, that is not what um, uh, most people end up. I've seen a lot of people sitting at a restaurant, literally not talking to each other the entire time, um, which is, is sad. For the record, you said choice very loudly um, a, a few <laughs> few minutes ago. I just thought I wanted to jump in so badly, but I know the listener heard it, so I had to. Do you want to throw out any disclaimers for your use of choice? <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, so let's let's probe in a little bit deeper. Um, so what about um, what about the the mental and and emotional wrestling you have kind of as an individual um which which leads to some of the barking at people that you mentioned but like what what are some of the things going through your head as you age that um maybe you, you didn't realize you'd be thinking about so much well uh the big surprise as you well know in our family is that my wife now is having some medical problems uh, and and she's always been the most healthy one in our family. In fact, her um, method of cooking and exercise and exhorting me to do the same um, has saved my life uh, from 
uh, heart disease, uh, which is prevalent in my family. But now she has these this problem, and uh, I, I never really thought that would be my plight. Um, and so trying to uh, deal with that in a way that uh, encourages her but offers her assurance um, in her salvation and keeps her connected uh, to Christ. She, she's a Christian, and she loves Christ, and she loves the Scripture. And uh, just one of the things that we did was start uh, at night before um, going to sleep uh, and get in bed, and, and we'll read a psalm. And uh, the psalms are a great way to connect with each other. And, uh, and, and I think that type of thing uh, has helped. Uh, so that's a surprise that uh, I really was not expecting. I, I do not and did not want, but it has offered me an opportunity to become closer to my wife than I've ever been. So I, I look at it as a blessing, not, not that I want her to have that problem, but, uh, but I look at it as a blessing that has drawn us closer together. It's been very encouraging uh, to see how um, your, I'd say your heart has changed and how you view that service of your wife as, um, you know, I'm sure it was very, I'm sure it still is difficult, but the, the joy of wanting to um, take care of her, I think that's really kind of, um, I've just seen that in your life. It's very encouraging to us, especially your, your daughter. So uh, I wanted to say that. I think that's uh, I think that's something that every person who is aging can do. They can find ways to connect and encourage others. Um, while I'm trying to encourage my wife, uh, you sit here and tell me this encouraged you and Catherine, uh, a, a benefit that I had not expected. But you know, uh, God uses those types of things in our lives to really. Um, bring others to himself and to lead others in their steps of sanctification, so to speak. What is the thing ultimately, or maybe there's multiple things that you're wrestling with God. And when, when we get to this layer, it's the inner core of our, of who we are, our identity. It usually comes down to things we're, we're trying, we are having a hard time surrendering. We want to control, we want to hold on to. What do you think the deepest core of what you're going through in aging that, that you, can you put your finger on it or well um i noticed you use your favorite word there surrendering <laughs> <laughs> uh, um and 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 basically that's the essence of all of it um you know um i think each of us have within ourselves um a big self center <laughs> Uh, the one person I can always forgive is me. The one person I can always take care of is me. Um, so letting go of that a little bit, uh, I think, uh, is, is a s struggle. But also, as you get older, uh, it's easier to surrender uh, because uh, in secular life as a physician, uh, you're you've got to control the situation. If you don't control, at least you feel that way. If you don't control the situation, people die. Uh, and that's an exaggeration. But there is a certain amount of truth there, and you feel that pressure all the time to, uh, to be in control, to know where you're going, to know what, what you got to do. Uh, when you get older, uh, 
um, and you're unable to control things as much and you have uh, less abilities, uh, you give up uh, and you surrender. Um, give up is probably not a, a good word to say there, but uh, but it is a little bit of, of saying, I've, I've pushed, I've, I've struggled, I've tried to keep this in the road. I'm just going to let it go. You really need to submit to God and to his will. That doesn't mean uh, give up hope or, or give up working or give up striving. Uh, we're all called to do that, I've, I think. And you and I have discussed many times the uh, argument of uh, God's sovereignty versus human responsibility. And, and I think you have a very good perspective on that. Um, you know, we call it when two mutually exclusive things coexist to be an antinomy. And, uh, and I think that is a better way of looking at God's sovereignty and human responsibility. We, we do have responsibilities, uh, and God is sovereign. So uh, that, that's probably been the biggest struggle in my life is, is uh, realizing uh, where God's sovereignty is and where my responsibility is. I actually like the fact that you said give up because surrender, there's no perfect word for like submission, surrender, um, but I definitely view surrender as something, it's a surrendering of your heart, but there's action, there's activity. And I actually, like you said, give up because when you said that I think a lot of people as they get older and even even before they get really like what society would call old they kind of give up on things they give up on their physical ability that maybe they're I always wanted to do that thing but I can't do it it's too late um, and that's not surrender that's giving up so I want to talk a little bit about that how do you is that is that a, a tension you've had to fight on things where you felt like ah I just give it up, but but you knew it wasn't right, and you had to kind of push through and say, no, I'm not, I'm not dead, right? I mean, what what what's your perspective on that? You know, the the old surgeon's slogan is often wrong, but never in doubt, and uh, uh, I'm never in doubt that I can't do something. And uh, uh, today, coming off of the beach when the temperature was ninety something and the humidity was probably hundred <laughs> uh, percent. I realized I could not do the same work that I used to be able to do, and uh, and uh, started to feel a little faint-headed even thinking about it. So uh, there is a certain amount of that kind of coming to a realization that you know I just can't do this anymore. But but uh, you still try, and uh, you you do the best you can at it. Um, and again, the little booklet, A Happy Old Age, helps you to understand that, that there are many things that you can do uh, and not so many that you can't do. You've clearly been thinking about this topic and I think reflecting well and, and, and living well. And that's the part I want to get it to is the, the how do you go, go back out of the reflection um, and, and do something in this, in this lifetime? Because life is short. It is a vapor. Um, how do you, now that you've kind of thought about it, what do you, what do you think are some of the insights as far as living it? Um, what, what have you been most impacted to sort of, um, live aging well? To become more, uh, like Christ, to become more concerned about others, to become a better witness for Christ. I think, um, all of those things 
uh, grow, you grow in all those things through your process of sanctification, and, and you don't just turn it on when you become old. Um, however, I, I would say that in, in, at a certain point, and that point for us came in May of last year when we kind of realized uh, due to COVID and due to violence in the country of Haiti, we probably would not be able to go back there. And we, we had uh, really lived a lot of our life in that situation. Uh, there were people there that we loved and helped. Uh, and, and the culture we liked, uh, the hospital that we worked in, we really helped uh, financially, physically, and uh, whatnot, and hated to, to leave all of that. So it was a, a time when uh, we cut off uh, that aspect of our life and it was just like cutting off one of our extremities but there were other things that we realized we could do um, one of them for me has been um, serving as an elder at the church uh, I, I picked up some extra things to do there in the missions committee and that type of thing visitation uh, things that allowed me still to share my faith with others uh, to engage uh, with others. And there are a lot of other people who may not even be as old as I am who, but are old enough that they need help, and I can help them with building a ramp to their house or uh, different things like that. Uh, our church has a mentoring program, and we're located in Columbia, South Carolina, and the University of South Carolina is there. We have a fairly large college ministry. So mentoring young college people has really been... Um, uh, an encouragement to me, I learn a lot from the people that I am um, mentoring uh, and enjoying uh, following their lives and what, what happens to them. So uh, those types of things uh, give you uh, encouragement yourself and help you to see that you are still useful and that uh, there's no need to be angry about where you are in life. There are a lot of ways of implementing some of the things that we've talked about as you get older, um, to, to help you uh, not only see your own value, but to give value to your community, to your church, and to other people. Well, so I, just coming back to the, the 40, the midlifer, um, I think they could easily get caught up in, okay, taking care of your body is important, which involves exercise, what you eat, feeding your mind with good things um, and on, on many levels there, making sure you're emotionally, you know, not isolating yourself and your mental health. So a lot of like things the world would tell anyone would, would want to pursue those things to extend longevity. Right. I, I think they're all good things, but what would you encourage them in terms of a, the spiritual character development piece, because that's, that's hugely important and, and probably gets pushed to the side because you're thinking more about those other more tangible things. So what would you say there? The best thing you can do at this point is become connected to a Bible believing Bible preaching church where you can interact, where you can grow spiritually, where, uh, you can have, um, fellowship with other Christians, uh, both younger that you can help and be a mentor to and older who you can be mentored by, um, and where you have, uh, opportunities to serve, uh, both your community or the, our missions. Please be involved in your 
church in a way that uh, that helps the people in your church and helps your church to grow. Ch- church is not really a place where you go to be entertained. It's not really a place where you go to have the preacher do everything. In our, in our situation, we've got six or seven pastors. Um, and so there's a real tendency sometimes to say, well, you never got a mission pastor, let's let him sell. No. Um, if you're a um, mission-oriented person and that's a, something you're interested in, take charge of that. Be be willing to be involved with it. If you've got a pastor of discipleship, well, he's the one who goes and visits everybody. Again, no. Elders and deacons are supposed to be shepherds of the church. Uh, go and visit uh, people. Become, in, become involved. The church will not be the way you want it to be unless you're actively involved making those changes and being holding holding the uh, staff, the pastor, others accountable and and uh, taking a stand there. So do, do you think character is most I mean because anyone can attend the building, right? And you're saying get involved, but do you think do you think character is most developed? in the actual doing, because there's a lot of consumers, right? That's what you're kind of saying. Don't just come and consume. So how, how, how does the, the play of your, how, how do you, do you think it's exercised like a muscle through, through service or how, how do you think character most develops? I, I think that uh, Jesus Christ, when he was here, um, and if you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, God himself has one plan and that's church. He, he doesn't have a plan B. And so if church doesn't work, he's going to use something else. But, but church is his plan. Uh, it's where we go to worship him. And I think that's where we should find ourselves in Christ. That, that's where um, we grow and develop. Not, not that uh, uh, you don't develop some of your character from other things, other sources, um, I developed a lot of my character from my parents, particularly my dad, uh, and from two or three professors, and I can name them right now because they stand out in my life as very important. And I looked at looked at uh, the way they lived their lives. But I think in the church you'll find a lot more people who are living their lives the way that Christ would have them live their lives um, and, and, uh, and find mentors there to help you develop your character your character. Um, what, what we do uh, when nobody's looking is kind of a gauge of what our character is becoming. And uh, being a member of church and being held accountable by, by your church, uh, I think, is an important aspect of development at, at any age, but, but particularly by the time you're 40, you should be deeply involved in your church as an officer or starting to look at being an officer or helping to helping to carry that uh, not just not just paying a preacher and having him do all the stuff if you look at the bible I, the number of times that it talks about retirement i think is zero <laughs> so so uh you know i i never looked at retirement i actually retired when i was in my 50s uh in 2005 um but I did not, I retired in that I stopped working for a paycheck in um, Columbia, South Carolina, going to work uh, every day at Midlands Orthopedics. Um, I had a plan. I wanted, to, I wanted to do ministry, and I wanted to do missions particularly. And so 
you know, when I, when I quote retired, I actually started doing more surgery and seeing more patients than I'd ever seen in my life in places all over the world. Um, and, um, I, I, I really think that was very fulfilling to me. It allowed me to see God's hand at work in many different ways. It was better than any living on a sailboat down the Caribbean, which is my fantasy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was better than that could ever have been. So seeing God use you in something is an eye-opening experience. Uh, you'll, you'll, uh, you just uh, can't believe that he actually would use you to bring other people to him and to a saving knowledge of him. So what about the person who's, there's got to be that cynical listener who goes, yeah, that's great. You're a doctor. You could, you could, you could, you know, retire at 50. You had this plan. I didn't have a plan. I bought into this other thing and now I'm sitting here at home. Uh, maybe I don't have that much money in the, in the, in the bank account. I mean, they, they still have, if, if they're still living, God still has a purpose for them, right? So what, what do you think a, a little step they, they can do? Because you were very methodical about how you wanted to do it, and you, you exercised it. Um, but what if you haven't been methodical about it? What if you, you're kind of a late bloomer in this regard? What, what, would, you, what would you say to that person? Well, you know, I, well, let me just back up for a minute, too, and tell the 40- and 50-year-old. There's a book out by Bob Buford called Halftime. And, and that was a book I read a long time ago, and that helped me to make this plan so that I knew that uh, as a physician, I could put myself in a position where I could, I could do uh, missions and I could go and work uh, in other places where I might not be paid. So I'd recommend that book highly. Uh, but um, for the person who is in the situation you just described, uh, you know, you don't have to have much of anything and you don't have to be physically fit or at all to pray. And, um, you know, you always have people who will say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And it never crosses their mind to do it again. But but if you are serious about it, uh, you make a list of the people who need prayer. And, and there's some people in your life who need prayer every day and will need it until the day you die. So never sell that short. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't cost you anything really to do that. Start to mentor other people. Let them see Christ in your life. And uh, you don't necessarily have to be a preacher to do that. Uh, if, if you're um, interested in people and you show a genuine interest in them, uh, it's a great encouragement to many people who have never seen anybody encourage them before. Uh, so I don't think you have to be a, a doctor, a lawyer, or wealthy to be used by God in the latter part of your life. Well, so as we as we wrap up here, um, and we've talked a lot about a lot of things. Um, what uh, is there any closing? remarks or comments you'd, you'd want to say, or maybe something you, you wanted to bring out a little bit more before we, before we close? Paul talks about how you run your race, uh, and you want to run it all the way to the end. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a great track star like Neil and his wife are, but uh, uh, the guy who kind of slows down right before the finish line, thinking he's got it made, frequently gets passed. And so I would encourage people to race to the end, uh, uh, particularly those who are Christians uh, need to uh, stick to the faith all the way to the end. That's a, that's a great encouragement. Well, um, 
Robert, it's been great uh, to chat with you a little bit about this and, and hear your insights. And so I just really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate you having me. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of A World Intention.